So we are live and welcome to our first live stream. I've got Patrick and Martin just ready to join us very shortly, but you may care to know that we are now back in our second lockdown. The first would last three months and now we are in our second lockdown. It could last for four, perhaps five or even six weeks. We will see. The reason why we wanted to begin our live stream on the 5th of November is because this is bonfire night, Guy Fawkes night. And you may hear a lot of fireworks in the background, a lot of bangs and crashes and who knows what else. This is a British custom. So hold tight. We will uh, keep speaking with all the fireworks going on in the background, but it's very atmospheric. And if you are in the UK, you know exactly what I am speaking about let's bring brother martin in a wonderful brother in the lord and uh let's bring brother patrick in and of course you know good who evening. patrick is you know who martin is and you know who i am i would hope <laughs> so this is our first live stream we're very excited about this we've been praying about this planning for this for many many weeks now and YouTube is still the best place to do something along these lines. Due to COVID-19, we've had to suspend our annual outreach, uh, like I said last time. And our dear brother, Enrique, is still very sick in hospital. He's in our thoughts and prayers at the moment. So we thank all of you who have been praying for him. And it's very much touch and go with him. But we will discuss maybe him later. And we will discuss Spain. Because, of course, the subjects will be the Jesuits the so-called Society of Jesus, a blasphemous term. And Patrick is an authority in the Jesuits. Not only has he written five articles on the Jesuits, but he's met at least two, uh, perhaps three in his lifetime. And we'll discuss that as we go through the broadcast this evening. For those who watch our verse-by-verse -verse Bible studies on James and Patrick channel, Brother Martin is the brother who does the wonderful music, does the graphics, and I can tell you that it takes a lot of time to film, edit, put into the final mix, save it. And he sends me the file and upload it as when I get it. So he's a marvelous brother, loves the Lord very much. His children love the Lord very much. And uh, he's one of a handful of brothers who are a huge part of our ministry. So plan today is to discuss the Jesuits uh, lockdown, which I've already spoken about, which starts today. Came in at midnight uh, this morning, and uh, we think it's going to get a lot worse before it gets any better. As of right now, America is on a knife edge. Is it going to be Biden? Is it going to be Trump? It can go either way. But we'll discuss that, no doubt, as we speak this evening. And I can see many brothers are already uh, checking in with us. We've got a brother in London. Uh, we've got our good brother in Texas, and uh, we've got our Brother in Bath, recognize Brother Dave, and uh, our brother in Ireland, who I think is from Latvia originally. I may be wrong when I say that. Forgive me if I am wrong. Uh, please tell us where you are watching this video, incidentally. Just give us an idea as to where you all are in the world. Uh, so we can just thank all of you for joining us. But uh, let's start with Patrick when it comes to the Jesuits. And I'll just say this very briefly that this is the 5th of November, which in the UK is a huge event. And there'll be a lot of people standing around in very cold fields. 
as of right now, uh, with their sparklers, uh, fireworks going off, making a real racket, very antisocial. But Guy Fawkes was a very interesting character, very notorious character, and I was checking some facts on him this morning. And it's good to remind ourselves as to the background to someone like Guy Fawkes. I see somebody's in Romania, Virginia, and a brother near Gatwick Airport, Connecticut, Barcelona, Bedfordshire. Thank you very much for uh, sharing your locations with all of us. Guy Fawkes is a very interesting character, also known as uh, Guido Fawkes. Would be, uh, would lose his father when he was a very young man, I think eight by memory. And of course, when a boy loses his father, he is scarred, no doubt about it. His mother was an Anglican initially, as was his biological father. His mother remarried, and she remarried a Roman Catholic, a real firebrand papist. And of course, over time, uh, Guy Fawkes was radicalized, shall we say, and would go down a very dark route. But we'll discuss more of Guy Fawkes in a minute. Let's start with Ignatius Loella. And I know Patrick's got some facts and figures and some thoughts about the birth of the Jesuits. Well, good evening, everybody, and welcome to our service. Well, our service, uh, our new live stream, which goes out on November the 5th, very fortuitous. Uh, so much happening in the world at the moment. About three years ago, I, for our newsletter, decided to do some investigation into the Jesuits. Um, I had intended to do a two-parter, but it's built over into a five-parter because I found so much about, and there's probably a lot more that I haven't found, but um, I put in there what I could do. I should say, first of all, that um, I have met two Jesuits in my lifetime, and uh, I'll just share those memories with you. The first time was when I was about 15. I was living in South London, very near to the church that I attended, and I was coming home one day, and I saw something bright in the gutter, shining, and it was a fountain pen very expensive fountain pen. Not like the pen that I've got here, which I'm holding up now, but it was probably a Montblanc pen. And it had on the side the name of the owner, and his name was Paul Brassel S.J. Straight away, I knew what S.J. meant. Um, very nice pen, but I decided to send it back to him, and I went along to my local library, and I found his address. Uh, and he was in Lancashire at a very big college there called Stonyhurst. They're still there to this day. And I sent it back to him, and I got a very nice letter back, plus a brand new crisp five-pound note, which is a lot of money back in 1957, a lot of money. And that's the first time I met him. I met him a couple of times afterwards. I was never quite sure what he was doing where I lived, but um, a charming man. Aren't they always charming, these people? And the second time was when we were doing some street work, I think, in Houston, James, am I right? Yes, in about Houston. three years ago. About three years ago, we were doing some street work, and... Um, we did very, very well. We had some very good conversations. And I saw this gentleman walking towards me with a fleece on, and he had the logo of the Jesuits, the cross, IHS above it. And I knew straight away he was a Jesuit. So I stopped him, and uh, he was quite happy to talk to me for a while. And uh, I told him who we were, ex Catholics of Christ. I said, I've done some research into the Jesuits. And he said, oh, yes, did you find us fascinating? I said, I don't know about fascinating. I think it's a little bit disturbing. But uh, he's in no hurry to go. And... I spoke to him about one of the generals of the Jesuits. You've got to remember, this isn't a religious organization, like the Dominican mm. Franciscans. This is a military organization. And the man at the top is called the Superior General. Now, he's not like General Booth of the Salvation Army, something like that, but he is a general, and the whole thing is run on military style. Much admired by Heinrich Himmler, Lenin, 
Stalin, they've been called Vatican assassins, Pope shock troops, the SS of the church, and so forth. But I was very interested in a gentleman who had been um, one of the one of the generals of the congregation, and his name was Vladimir Ledachowski. I'm not going to spell it to you, but if you go into my article, you'll find it. And this gentleman, Ledachowski, fascinating character. What a man to be at the power of what was happening in the 20th century. He was the leader of the Jesuits from 1915 until 1942. So he was there in Rome, the end of the First World War, the rise of the Nazis, Mussolini in Italy, Franco in Spain, probably yeah. organizing some of it, certainly would have had troops in the ground because they have a branch in nearly every city throughout the world. The Second World War, Edachowski. And when I mentioned this gentle, that gentle, this Jesuit I met, I mentioned Edachowski to Ah, how key. <laughs> his face lit up as if, you know, I talked about a long relative, a lot of loving relative of his. But a very powerful man, Lebachowski. And that led me to look into the whole fact about the Nazis. But before I come to that, I'd like to mention the third general secretary of the Jesuit, a man named Francis Borgia, who was there in 1572. And he said, very interestingly at the time, he said, he said to his young cadets as they went out, go forth and set the world on fire. Wow. What they've been trying to do ever since. And he went on to say, <laughs> later on, before he died, we came in like lambs and will rule like wolves. So he knew exactly yeah. where he stood with these guys. And during my research of the Jesuits, I came to the conclusion that these, this order of priests with this blasphemous name were behind and perhaps were still controlling the Illuminati, the CFR, the United Nations, IMF, Mafia, Club of Rome, European Union, Opus Dei, of course, the Freemasons, the New Age, and they may well be behind the United States election. What's going on now? They are no friend to Israel. Let me make that quite clear. They were very angry at John F. Kennedy, helped the Israelis back in 62 by letting them, by selling them some surface to air missiles for defense. They didn't like that at all. Of course. A year later, he was dead. There's always been a theory of the Jesuits behind the assassination of President Kennedy. I'm not sure. I can't find too much about it. But they were certainly involved with the CIA and what was happening. And it certainly suited them to have him out of the way. So the Jesuits, James mentioned, founded by Ignatius Loyola, uh, a Basque, um, yep. from the northern part of Spain, I believe. Brother Martin, you know that part of the world, Barcelona, the Basque territories at all. Can't hear me. Don't think you can hear me. Okay. Martin? No, he can't. Can you hear, hear us, me. Martin? Not, not, not tomorrow. I'll, I'll come back to him. I don't know it that well, but I believe Barcelona is the capital there of it. And he was, I suppose, what you call a soldier of fortune, mercenary, a gun for hire, as they say. And in one of the battles, he was slightly wounded a, a musket, a ball from a musket winged his head, knocked him out of his unconscious. And when he came to after that, he'd lost all taste for the fighting that went on and went, laid down his weapons, and he became a bit of a wanderer. And one day he found himself sleeping in a cave, and um, what I can make out, he saw a vision of a snake. snake That's right. With hooded eyes. And this snake possibly spoke to him, but said, change your lifestyle. Very demonic, this whole thing there. And from then on, he went on and became a Catholic priest. He got ordained and he set up the Jesuits. Now, to date, there have been 31 
Gen Secretary Generals are General Secretaries of the Jesuits. And the current, the current general is Arturo Sosa from Venezuela, a yeah. socialist country. He's the general there at the moment. But I want to look at some of the generals in the past who may have changed very much what happens in the world now. I mentioned Vladimir Ledachowski, very important man. And also I found out at that time that the rise of the Nazis in Munich, one of the cohorts with Adolf Hitler, according to Heinrich Hoffmann, who was his, his personal photographer, was a gentleman by the name of Father Bernard Stempel, Jesuit. And yeah. Father Bernard Stempel was so much in the inner circle of the Nazis that every week Hitler would meet with his cohorts at a place called the Cafe Hitch in Munich. It doesn't stand anymore. I think he got bombed during the war. And he was in the inner circle there, giving Adolf Hitler religious matters what he could do and what he could not do. So that was Bernard Stempel. Now, when Hitler went to Landsdorf, as we know, he sat down, he started to dictate his memoir to his secretary, Rudolf Hess. And Father Stempel would cycle to prison, bound into prison, collect the rough proof, take them back to the, um, the building where they, the Jesuits were in Munich. And I'm sure he sent a copy to Father General in Rome, Lebachowski. Very interesting man. He was also the father confessor of Hitler's cousin, Geli Raubel. Mystery about mm. Geli, of course, but he was very fond of him. And he was taken out in the night of the Long Knives, the notorious, famous night of the Long Knives in 1934, that took Ernst Rome out, who wasn't a Jesuit, but I think he was uh, very much taken by the structure, the military structure. He was then head of three and a half million uh, stormtroopers. And he was taken out and stemmed away. Now, today, there's a movement in Rome that happened in the last 10 years to make Pius XII a saint. It seems to stalled a little bit, possibly because of some court that he signed. But the man who's been given the job of promoting this is a father, Peter Kumpel, another Jesuit. How about that? So that's the connection there. Now, the Jesuits always seem to be involved where there's a crisis throughout the world, whether it's the Russian Revolution, um, Hiroshima, all of these things, the Jesuits seem to be there. They've been linked to the assassination of Kennedy, as I said earlier on, and also been linked, strangely enough, to the sinking of the Titanic. And that's very interesting with the Titanic. In 1915, when the Titanic was launched, no, 1913, when the Titanic launched, the young Jesuit, some say he was a Jesuit priest, some say he was a seventh-year seminarian, called Francis Brown, an Irishman, was asked to go on to the Titanic take his camera, play up the camera, and take some photographs of the ship. He joined the Titanic in France, port of Le Havre, joined the Titanic, and they sailed up to the west of Ireland, stopped there, and for some reason, he was told by his superior in Dublin, get off the ship, three words, in the telegram, get off the ship. And he, he was supposed to go all the way to New York, he cleared this with Captain Smith, who was very close to this Jesuit, and to the Jesuit order. Got off the ship, ship went on, and as we know, it sunk. Never really yeah. been explained that, what he was doing there. He had full clearance from the White Star Line, who had helped to build the Titanic at Harland and Wolf in Belfast. Again, he moved among these circles. So I found that very interesting at the time. The assassination of Abraham Lincoln also comes up with the, the role of the Jesuits. And it's no doubt about it that the Vatican, the Pope at the time, were backing the South, the Confederates we call them, under their president, Jefferson Davis. Jefferson Davis, I mean, he's a Catholic, but he certainly had the support of the Vatican and the Jesuits. 
But the cotton fields, the plantations, after the bundles of cotton were packed up, they were sent down to the ports. New Orleans, Pensacola, all controlled by the Catholic Church. And of course, they sent down throughout the world. Lincoln didn't want any of this, so he made an enemy. But he'd made an enemy years before, as I found out, when he defended a Catholic priest called Father Charles Chinqui. Charles Chinqui went to him and asked him if he would defend him against what was being said about him, some of the teachings. And Charles Chinqui did leave the Catholic Church and became a born-again Christian as well. A mm. very interesting man. He did defend him, but he caused the wrath of the Jesuits. And at the end of it, Charles Chinqui, who had been found not guilty, and he got compensation, went up to Lincoln and he gripped him in with tears in his eyes. And he said, I'm so thankful what you've done for me, but I'm so fearful for your life. Because you've made an enemy here. Yeah. Lincoln knew this, and Lincoln talked about it. He put them in his enemies, and he put them in his enemies with those generals in the south, who his army in the north were at their wall. Of course, we all know what happened. He went to the theatre that night, Ford Theatre in uh, Washington. I think the play they saw was my favourite cousin. And of course, we all know a man called John Wilkes Booth jumped out, pulled a gun, shot the president, jumped on the stage, and shouted, Six Semper Tyrannus. Sounds like a Jesuit saying, doesn't it? There, this always be tyrants. Yes, this always be tyrants. Strange motto for a man who wasn't a Catholic or a New Valley who's not been primed to say this. Some weeks before he did this, he was very much under the influence of a man called Archbishop Beauregard. I'm sure he's a Jesuit or not, but an Archbishop, very important man. And obviously he was very much influenced this, and he went to Washington, and he stayed in the boarding house of a lady called Mary Surratt, a very interesting Catholic lady. And she had a lot of boarders who went through her house, and she had several Jesuits who stayed there on their travels up to Canada and back again. So he was very much involved there of what was happening. Was he involved? Yes, he was. He was captured. He was shot. They were taken out, the conspirators, and hung, including Mary Surratt and the Pope leader for her life as she still hung. Um, what else can I say about the Jesuits? I did look at today at their oath of office that's sworn in. It's very blasphemous. I'm not going to recite it. You can find it online. But I did find some other things put out by these these men, uh, if you can call it that, these people who are trying to influence and bring in the role of the Jesuits throughout the world through governments and so forth. Anyone could be a Jesuit conspirator until their identity not known. The Pope may reprimand kings and punish them with death. That's what wow. told. A man condemned by the Pope may be killed anywhere. He may kill anywhere because the Pope has the, at least an indirect jurisdiction over all the world, even in temporal things. Wow. Still going very strong today, and of course, there's a price to everyone some years ago with the death of when the resignation of. Joseph Ratzinger, i.e. Benedict, a Jesuit became the Pope. Do you remember that? And if you remember at the time, James and I were watching the tour, the firm favourite was a gentleman called Cardinal Scala from Milan. Very popular guy, seen often on Italian television, had views on sports and cricket and football, all of these things, always brought in Cardinal Scala Milan. And the smoke came out, if you remember, from the Sistine Chapel saying, we have a Pope. And the commentator who was in Rome at the time said, I'm getting a message, hold on. They're ringing the bells in Milan. They're dancing in the streets. Cardinal Scala's done it. And this went on for an hour. 
singing and dancing the land, cardinal scarl has done it. And then the papal master of ceremonies came out and said, we have a pope, we're going to present him to the world. Everybody looked up at that little balcony, and this gentleman walked out, who I thought looked like Stan Laurel. And he looked at everybody and he said, good evening, ladies and gentlemen, my and all the, uh, the, the, the journalists there, all the Vatican watchers said, who's this guy? <laughs> this wasn't Cardinal Scarlet in the land. And he was the Cardinal from Argentina, I believe. And he was about 30th down on the list of the book he's made, but he came out and he was a Jesuit. Very interesting. He was the first Jesuit. First Pope was a Jesuit. And the following morning, uh, I talked to James about it. We did wonder whether he would be Pope Ignatius I. Ignatius Loyola, of course. Why not? But he didn't. He went to the Dominican Church and he became Pope Francis. It was a bit too obvious to call himself Pope Nation. I don't know. But he's been there ever since. Pope Francis still very much in the news about different morals and what's happening at the moment. Now, the other Jesuit that I found at the time when I was researching this was a man called Tilhard de Chardin. Tilhard de Chardin was a Jesuit. He was an archaeologist. famous archaeologist. And he time was in Sussex and he was very much in excavations down in Sussex and he colluded it seems with some of the archaeologists in Sussex, I believe one was a listener, another was a doctor and suddenly the news was announced to the National Geographical Society that still no man had been found. This has always been the thing with the evolutionists. There has to be the missing link. Where's that missing link? Never been found. That missing link may have a conscience that we have that animals don't have. And this is very exciting. Somebody did some research in this Pilgrim Man and they found that it was a skull of a, 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 a skull of an ape. That some work had been done to it by somebody very, very clever and it did age with using tea leaves and so forth to make it look older than it was. But then Tilhard de Chardin had been summoned to Rome. Not because of this, but because he was putting forward new ideas. He completely rejected. Um, what to say about it? He was a biological evolutionist and a Jesuit priest. He said no one came from one pair of humans, Adam and Eve, created by God. Human beings had multiple starting points because evolution was a fact. And he taught all progress is automatic. So out of all this evolution that's gone through history, man gradually coming up to man. And you've seen that cartoon of the eight bent over and gradually expands up. You know what I mean. And he'd go along with that. And he believed this was a new humanity was emerging. Liberated from capitalism, didn't like capitalism either. And neither And that just cannot you cannot be a Christian in a capitalist system. He was summoned to Rome because he was started talking about Omega Point. And according to him, when we die, we all join this Omega Point. Omega Point. And we all become as one. Jesuits, Hindus, Catholics, Jesuits, whatever. And we become one in the solar system, Omega Point. Now, at the time when he was summoned to Rome, Rome didn't like this, so they sent him into exile to China. And there he started excavations, and there he found yet another missing link. And this was the Peking man. <laughs> mm -hmm. And the world looked at it, and extensive tests were done, and they found it just a gorilla. And this still goes on this day, and only some years ago, some of you may remember, they found the missing link. Remember Lucy in Africa? Um, a gorilla was found there. This is the missing link. Never been found. There is no missing link. We are nothing to do with it. We were created by God and God's image. Our parents were Adam and Eve at the time. 
We are all descendants from Adam and Eve. Still hard to shard in. Very dangerous man. Still very much respected throughout the world as an archaeologist. And another man I came across was Malachi Martin. Malachi Martin, you might have heard of him. He went to YouTube quite a bit about him. Interesting man. He had worked in the Secretary of State and he told all sorts of stories about what was going on in the Vatican. He was a Jesuit, essentially removed from the Jesuits. And I don't think he do get removed, but CIA, once you're in, you're in for life or something like that. But Malachi Martin, very interesting man. Um, I found a lot from him. He certainly supported the idea of the Titanic. I think he sort of went a lot longer with the assassination of John F. Kennedy. Um, so I'm going to leave it there if I can at the moment, see if there's any questions on this. We came in like lambs and will rule like wolves. I believe they're involved in the Inquisition. We always think of the Dominicans, but the Jesuits were very, very much there. Um, and look what happened in Northern Ireland. James, could you update us on what you found about the Jesuits in Northern Ireland within the project itself? Well, just before we get to that, let's just go back to Martin. Can you hear us okay, Martin? We lost you for a few seconds. Yes, it, it, it has been popping in and out, so it's been a little bit di difficult, but it sounds yeah. absolutely fascinating. This is a live stream, so please good? bear with us. Yeah. We are no, live. It may be my connection, your connection. No, no, it's, 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 going but, be, it's going to be this way now. So, Martin, yeah, I mean, Spain, yeah, Catalonia. Um, yeah, if I could just mention on the uh, Jesuits, uh, before the, the, as the Pope was being uh, presented, um, the, the word Jesuits came out on the news. I'd never even heard of it before, so you'll have to excuse me. But uh, um, at, at that point in time, I was actually in Spain myself, and a devout Catholic asked me the question, what's this Jesuits? Of course, I had to Google it myself, so got onto the computer there. The first thing that came up on the, um, on, uh, the Google search was uh, they considered themselves uh, soldiers of God. So... That was the first thing that impacted me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now they've got their fingers in many pies. Um, mm -hmm. And, of course, various things came up. Uh, I think within a very short period of time of, of the uh, Jesuits being formed, 72 colleges uh, on three different continents. That's yeah. what I've, I've read up. You know, at that point when, you know, it uh, it pricked my, uh, you know, um, mind as to well, what, what's the Jesuit, what's it all about. So I did a little bit of Jesuit, by the way. Well, they are very much into education. There's no doubt about it. It's a famous college, famous university. It's Georgetown in Washington. But they're very yeah. much into this, to educating young minds into their mode of life. Many Jesuits uh, are teachers and trainers and so forth. What has happened yeah. recently is world decline of vocations into the Catholic Church. Yeah. This is also happened to the yeah. Jesuits. But what we have seen is a rise in Jesuit brothers coming in. And these are young men who join the Jesuits, uh, Professions, you know, they're doctors, astronomers, engineers, and so forth, but they want to be part of the Jesuit system. And we found out a while ago that there was this massive telescope in Arizona where they're counting at the moment. In yeah. Arizona. Yeah. Yes, yeah. still counting. Yeah. This massive telescope, which has the awful, hideous name of Lucifer. Yeah. 
And a couple of uh, investigative journalists went there to visit this, and they were met by these Jesuit brothers. They are all astronomers. And this massive telescope sweeps the skies, working very closely with NASA. NASA's involved in all of this. Now, NASA's funded by the American taxpayer. So perhaps some of this money goes into Lucifer, I don't know. But it's actually built on a, a, an Indian burial ground. And the Indians are up in arms about this. And these journalists, investigative journalists, went to see the senator then for Arizona, the late John McCain. And they asked him, what's going on? Why is there this telescope on American soil, which is owned by the Vatican, built on a, uh, a burial ground for the Red Indians? And he actually got so angry that he had security escorting of the building. Very, very strange. But you've got these Jesuit brothers. Oh, they also have one in Chile. That's a great telescope in Chile. Sweeping the heavens. I think they're looking for a meager point, but I'm not sure. Well, two questions. Uh, what is the purpose of the Jesuits? How would you sum up that question? Well, they are, shock well, they are. Troops. They are the shock troops of the Pope. They have to do his bidding when and when they can. The so-called Black Pope, we've all heard of the Black Pope. Um, he's supposed to be higher than the, you know, than the Pope. Now you've got a Pope who is a Jesuit, a white Pope, and you have the Black Pope, who is this guy from uh, Venezuela, Arturo Sosa. So that's a very interesting thing, what goes on there. Their method is to get in there, to influence all of, all of the foundations that I suppose really want to destroy democracy. Uh, Adam Weishart, incidentally, don't forget Adam Weishart. I think he's got Luminati. Luminati. He was yep. educated by the Jesuits at Ingersoll University in Bavaria. Yeah, Very important man. So they're always there behind the scenes, influencing all the way, certainly money markets and so forth. Some say the Great Crash of 1929 was orchestrated by them. It certainly brought the Nazis into power afterwards. And there's no doubt that crash of 1929 helped the Nazis to come in when they won the election in 1933. And I think we should look at uh, Japan as well. Yeah. To date, I believe they have been banned in over 20 countries. Jesuits have been banned. And one country they did ban them, kicked them all out. And then they were crucified as well. Was Japan. That's and it. Japan. And the Jesuits never forgave Japan for this. And very yeah. interestingly, the... 28th Secretary General, Secretary General, General Superior of the Jesuits was a man called Pedro Arupe, who was actually yeah. in Hiroshima at the time um, with the Jesuit house there. And one of the theories is that the bombers were guided in by the Jesuits to bomb Hiroshima. And if you look at that famous picture afterwards when the bomb had been dropped from Hiroshima, within miles you can see desolation, bomb sites, and in the middle, this church has survived. Absolutely amazing. And this was supposed to be payback for the way the Japanese have treated the Jesuits. Now, a lot of people say this is what happened. I'm not sure. I don't quite know how he would do it. But some of those men there, those Jesuits in, in, in Japan at that time, were engineers, electrical engineers. So they certainly could have rigged up some beacon, some flashing beacon to guide in the Enola Gay. I'm not sure. Thing. So the Jesuits began, I've got a date here, 1539 yep. to 1540, yep. under Pope Paul III, of course. And the plan was quite simply to push back on the Reformation, because, of course, yep. Martin Luther would begin it three days they, ago, five days ago, on the 31st of October. They saw Luther as Satan, and, of course, they, yep. great, they despised so much the King James, of course, who I'm sure they tried Absolutely. to 
you'd know more than that. Because yes, the King James Bible, they've done everything they can to discredit the King James Bible. But it's still here. Yeah. It's still here and it always will be. Yeah. But it's fascinating when you go back to, for example, Martin Luther, born yeah. 1483, uh, Ignatius Loella, born 1491, John Calvin, uh, born 1509, Luther dies 1546, uh, Loella dies 1556, and Calvin dies 1564. These guys all died. They're all contemporaries. Short, all contemporaries. And also, should be, we should remind ourselves that uh, John Calvin and Ignatius Loella were both in Paris at the same time, 1528, in the same college. And I've been to Paris a couple of times. It's a big city, but you can't mm. help thinking, perhaps, just perhaps, uh, Calvin and Loella met up, uh, met up, they were contemporaries, uh, but down the line, of course, they would become huge enemies. Calvin was writing institutes around that time, whereas Loella was planning the Jesuits around that time. But my understanding of the Jesuits is basically to push back on the King James Bible, try and reverse the Reformation, and it's that faith alone in Christ alone through the blood of Christ alone. And all and almost all churches have uh, capitulated to uh, the, the Jesuits' goal. It's pretty depressing. Really. But let's just ask Martin about Spain, because you've got a lot of first-hand experience in Spain. And like I say, uh, Ignatius Loella is a Basque. He's from Catalonia, northeast of uh, Spain. And also Guy Fawkes would go to Spain and uh, try and get some training. As far as I'm concerned, and Let's see what our viewers think about this. But as far as I'm concerned, the Jesuits are really the not only the shock troops of the Catholic Church, but they are the Al-Qaeda of the Catholic Church. They are the ISIS of the Catholic Church. They are the Mujahideen of the Catholic Church. And it's fascinating that Guy Fawkes goes to Spain. And, of course, uh, Loella was from uh, Spain. And just wondering, Martin, if you've got any first-hand experience uh, of that part of Spain where Loella was from. Can you hear me? Okay, well, please bear with us. This is a live uh, broadcast. Let's keep talking. Hopefully, Martin can chip in as and when he wants to. But 415 years ago today, an event was taking place in London. Guy Fawkes, along with 13 other people, he was one of 13 conspirators, had been spending, had been spending, uh, had spent uh, 10 months digging under Parliament to blow up Parliament. And at most of 30 men that were involved, but 13 were caught. The others disappeared. We think that perhaps uh, one of the British spy masters, a guy called Cecil for memory, uh, was able to find out that Guy Fawkes was planning and plotting to um, murder. I'm, I'm, I'm sort of in a, a very broken line here, James, but I hope you can hear me okay. I can hear you now, Martin. Yeah. Can you hear me um, okay? Can you hear me, Martin? Well, you sit no, tight, brother. You come through and then you completely disappear. It's very difficult okay. to uh, grasp the conversation. But, Phil, but we're still talking about the, the Jesuits Phil, in the North. wish to do so. In the back. Yeah, uh, Guy Fawkes went to Spain, like I was saying, and Loella is from Spain, two Spanish connections. Of course, Martin Luther was from Germany, yeah. uh, but it's yeah. fascinating to me that Guy Fawkes was caught. He may have been betrayed, or more likely he was uh, found out 
Britain at the time had a great spy network uh, under Queen Elizabeth I. We got an article on Walsingham, one of Britain's yep. top spy masters. Yep. They called Guy Fawkes, known as Guido Fawkes, like yep. I say. Uh, he was uh, interrogated over many nights. Eventually came clean he was a terrorist attempting to blow Parliament. But not only do you have 30 terrorists spending 10 months digging underground and got into the grounds of Parliament, but on top of that, what sometimes, uh, sometimes people forget to or may not be aware of is that the plan was to kidnap Elizabeth, King James's daughter. She was only nine. And the plan was to kill James, kill Parliament, destroy the government, basically. This is 1605. This is a year after King James was commissioned. Put Elizabeth on the throne, a puppet princess, a puppet queen, controlled by the Vatican. It didn't happen, of course. Uh, Guy Fawkes was interrogated. He was tortured. Eventually, came clean. He was hanged drawn and quartered. His body was cut into four parts and shipped all over the UK. It was a pretty brutal death, but before you get sorry, or before you start to feel sad for Guy Fawkes, try living in France or Spain or Italy around the same time as a Protestant. See, it was horrific. And I got some quotes I want to read shortly about what took place in Ireland, Ulster, uh, around the same time. Martin, can you hear us now okay? Patrick, can you hear me? You say no, James. Yeah. I think what's 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 going if you, if what you mentioned there about Spain, they all seem yes. to have this connection with Spain. Uh, there's one thing they're under they're under the, the umbrella of a, of a dark spirit here, James. Yes. I mean, they're being guided here by the spirits of evil. Um, it, 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 you know, they're being pulled to all these. I mean, they're being educated by dark forces here. I mean, moving yeah. in, in, into Spain, um, you know, gaining that military knowledge which he needed, you know, and then Guy Fawkes comes back uh, to the UK to, uh, uh, you know, um, fulfill his plot, as it were, guided by the, uh, you know, the, the, the spirit of Catholicism in Europe. Yeah. Uh, very dangerous times, and not much, not much has changed under the sun. I mean, there's that, that there's that many things going on now. Principalities in high places, the forces of darkness, James. Well, you uh, say the forces of darkness. I got some. Uh, you speak interesting, interesting thoughts here. That Guy Fawkes was executed on the 31st of January, 1606, and he was 36 when he died. I've got three sixes there. I've got six, six, six. 1606, and he was martyred. Well, not martyred, he was murdered. He was killed. Uh, he was executed, to be more precise, when he was 36 years of age. When his 36th year. Never made a saint, was he, Patrick? Why wasn't, why wasn't he made a saint, do you think? I think because he renounced Catholicism, didn't he? He asked yeah. for mercy from the king. Mm. Was it too little too late? Yeah. But I, I partly blame a lot of this uh, radicalization down to the loss of his father. He was a young man. He was radicalized yeah. by his yeah. stepfather. He was about Catholic. And of course, I also realized uh, a few days ago, I was checking my notes on uh, Guy Fawkes that his cousin was a Jesuit. Such so a strong Catholic connection. Uh, but he would go to Spain, like I say, to perfect his jihad. The Spanish were lukewarm to supporting him, maybe because they thought he was 
not very well trained, not uh, particularly uh, professional. He also walked, he'd also worked with some of his school friends uh, during the plan to uh, murder King James. So by the grace of God, it was thwarted. Nobody lost their lives apart from uh, Fawkes and his men. Of course, for them, they would be seen as martyrs in the Church of Rome, whereas to Protestants, they were seen as traitors trying to bring in uh, a Catholic state. Elizabeth was nine. She was scarred for a long time after this. I think they would have probably killed her had she not played ball uh, with the plan to bring in their sort of puppet state, uh, with old Elizabeth, young Elizabeth, <coughs> running the show. But let's go back to uh, Loella Patrick. Fake old character, had visions of snakes, a bit like uh, Muhammad, yeah. would have visions. Uh, Mary in, in a cave. Uh, Mary, Mary Ellen, uh, Ellen White, excuse me, Ellen White from the FDA. And all these people, they've had, they've had brain damage to some extent. We would say today that probably Loella was an epileptic, yeah. like Muhammad. Yeah. And uh, Ellen White, when she was a young yeah. woman, had a bad bash to the head. And yeah. overnight, getting visions from the Lord, revelations from the Lord, many of which never came to pass, of course. But Loella, to my shock, and I've written some notes this morning, uh, has a feast day named after him. It's the 23rd of October. Mm. And if you go back to the year of 1641, like in Ireland, for example, Ulster, what is never taught in schools? I mean, this is bonfire night. This is the 5th of November. People mm. all over the country are having... Uh, a good time, the old penny for the guy, which I did as, as a young man outside my local shop. <laughs> penny for the guy, and people give us money for our guy. Only kids, of course, didn't any better. People would celebrate the death of Guy Fawkes, which personally I'm not in favour of. But if you th if you speak to Catholics about someone like Oliver Cromwell, I've got an article on Cromwell. He is despised. He's seen as the equivalent to Hitler. But if you speak to people about Loella, they've never heard of the guy. No. The Jesuits, as Martin just said, are unknown. They are a shadowy group of people, like uh, if you speak about the devil to people, most people don't believe in the devil anymore. Yeah. And what really grieves me and annoys me is that Cromwell is seen as this awful butcher, which of course he wasn't. And yet, I got some facts here, which I want to just quickly read, concerning Ignatius Loella. He was the Hitler of the Catholic Church. He's been made a saint in the Catholic Church. That Patrick just said that one of the guys who helped write Mein Kampf was a Jesuit. Yeah. The Jesuits were involved with the, with the sinking of the Titanic. Yeah. And I've seen pictures of the Jesuits in New York, ground zero, being shown around days after the towers went down. They are going on? Wickedness. Mm. But apparently, if you go back to 1641, the uh, Catholics in Ulster, should be called Ulster, not Northern Ireland, uh, the Catholics in Ulster murdered 150,000 Protestants in one day. 150,000 Protestants, which is more than twice as many Catholics as were killed in armed combat fighting Oliver Cromwell in a year. And uh, this book I'm reading, if you care to know, is uh, a two-volume set on church history yeah. by Peter yeah. Norman, uh, great writer, controversial, yes. I know he's got some... Uh, theological views I don't agree with but when it comes to church history he's worth uh, bearing with and he says this quote Bible believing Protestants were buried in the ground up to their necks till they starved one man was forced to go to mass after they ripped him open 
and let him bleed to death. Another they sawed asunder, like cut him in half, slit his wife's throat, dashed out the brains of his young child, and threw the corpse into a pigsty to be eaten by swine. These are Roman Catholics. Yeah. Working yeah. Under, under the orders of good old Ignatius Loella. Yeah. The hit of the Church of Rome, like I say. Several Christians were stripped, naked, fastened to horses by ropes, placed around their middles, and dragged through bogs until they expired. Bogs like marshes, uh, contaminated uh, waters, obviously. Thousands were mutilated by having arms, hands, and legs cut off, and by, and by being left to bleed to death. 300 were drowned in one day in the county of Tyrone, that's Northern Ireland, and 50 or 60 were put into one house, which was set on fire. And he goes on to say, uh, while these faithful sons, quote-unquote, of Holy Mother Church, quote-unquote, carrying out the expansion of Christianity, killed babies and women, they would holler, quote, your soul to the devil. And he goes on to name some Catholic historians who like to pretend that none of this happened, which is very true. They play this right down. Yeah. The only killing yeah. in Ireland was done by Cromwell. I've got an article on Cromwell. I've got a video on Cromwell. And I refute a lot of that uh, propaganda about uh, Cromwell. And all this took place, incidentally, the killing of 150,000 people three years before Cromwell even arrived. So... My understanding of the Jesuits is that they are wicked, they are deplorable, they have been given no scrutiny, they've been able to get away with absolute murder, blue murder, as we would literally, say. Literally. 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 Uh, we know about the Third Reich, we know about uh, other de uh, devious and dubious groups, but the Church yeah. of Rome and the Jesuits yeah. have been able to get away with absolute murder, and uh, it just makes me sick to the stomach. So I just want to get those facts down. And uh, Martin, can you still hear me? Yeah. Okay, come back to Mark in a minute. So, Patrick, what else do you want to say about the Jesuits? Well, yes, I can I, hear you, James. I, I think at the end of the day, the uh, the Jesuits and all those with them. Try again, Martin. Okay, can you hear me? Yes. Okay, uh, what I was going to say was, uh, I think it's written down somewhere, James, that uh, the uh, the Jesuits uh, believe that they kill for the greater love of God. They're doing God a great That's service. Really want yeah, yeah, exactly. They've got, they've got this spirit, common spirit, James. And, and, and the thing is as well, um, the, 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 all of these organisations and religious denominations who mingle up the word of god they've got one thing in common they all reject the finished work of christ they feel as yep. if they've got to do something they've got to do something upon the world to make salvation you know attainable for people they reject the finished work of jesus christ that's what they do james that's what they're yeah, doing they'll do patrick any more thoughts on this well I just, just a couple of things. When I was researching the Jesuits, I came across a book um, called La Popessa. And this was a nun who was past the 12th's housekeeper. There she is there. There's the lady there. Can you see her? Yeah. Can you see her? There Pretty she is. Good. Yes. She was with Cardinal Pacelli when he was in Munich for 18 years. He was the nuncio. 
she was his faithful housekeeper. She then went to Rome with him when he became Pope. She was there until the day he died. Long now to print this book, and she tells quite an interesting story. She says, um, she says, one night in 1919, a young man came to see the Archbishop. Mm. All others in the household were asleep except for me, Sister Pasqualina. The young man proceeded to uh, talk to the Archbishop, and he had very long conversations with him. He came several times, and later when I saw him in a newsreel, I said to my friend, that's Hitler. He's the man who came to the nuncio. Mm. <laughs> and I thought that was interesting that Pacelli, who later became part of 12, had actually met Hitler. And I think he gave him some money which towards the comedy and Nazi party. Now, she also goes on to say the role of the Jesuits when Pacelli became Pope. And she says here that, um, what does she say? She says that he was surrounded. Um, he's, each Pope has a confessor. Yeah. And his confessor was a man called Father Augustine Bayer. Come back to him in a minute. Oh, yeah. And his private secretary was Father Robert Lieber, a Jesuit, Father Hendrick, a Jesuit, who helped draft it by the speeches. So you had three Jesuits surrounding this pope, his confessor and two secretaries. Now, Augustine Bayer later became Cardinal Bayer. And the grand scheme of the Jesuits was, why don't we get all the churches under one umbrella and call it Christian unity. That's what <laughs> they did in the 60s. All the churches came under Rome's umbrella. The blood of Christ wasn't enough. No, no, no. Good works had to be it. The good works is helping the poor, liberation theology, standing with the workers in South America, South Africa, or wherever. And Christ is pushed out of it. Mm. These will help your good works. Cardinal Bay was the man who set all this up. He lived a good old age, about 80-something, and he set the whole thing up. And all the churches throughout the world now, I would say, are under Rome's umbrella. Even the Mormons, would you agree, James, the Mormons? The Mormons, well, they've got their own bloody past, haven't they? The Meadowlands massacre yep. killed hundreds of people. But they're all ecumenical now. And, of course, all ecumenical. one thing they've in common, just, just quickly put this point down, they all yep. use the, they all use the Alpha Course. Yes, they all use the Alpha Course. Oh, known as the Alpha Course. It's no threat to them. Fox's Book of Martyrs, that's the book to get people. Fox's Book of Martyrs. It's all there. But it has been so successful as far as Rome's concerned. That all the churches, not all the churches, I'm not sure that the Russian Orthodox Church has come under or the Greek Orthodox Church. They'll be separate, but they would be partly in submission to the papacy. But they would be part of it. Any communion, they, they even have a representative from the United Nations. Yeah. So it's all going their way, um, all going towards a meagre point. Absolutely rubbish order. It's like Disneyland order, the destruction but you take yeah. Christ out of the picture, you take Adam and Eve out of the picture, you take Noah's Ark and, and the Great Flood and all of this, and you put in all of this that we're yeah. involved. They were very much um, pro what Darwin was saying. In fact, they may well have been behind Darwin. It wasn't a story that when uh, Darwin's first book, what was it, Origin of the Species, came out. Yeah. Do you remember? It was yeah, published yeah. in London. And on the first day, 20,000 copies were sold. Yeah. Who bought them all? A job lot. Who bought all these copies? And I think there. Even Karl you, Marx thought a great deal about it. Absolutely. You mentioned, uh, of course, Japan. They did ban the yeah. Jesuits. And what they would also do, the the, uh, the Japanese, is they would crucify uh, Jesuits 
on crosses in the ocean. Slow, torturous death. So, of course, dropping the, bomb, dropping the bomb on Japan was payback time. It was payback. Yeah. So, I where do we see the Jesuits today? Where do we see them in the US election? There's absolute chaos in America at the moment. Yeah. You've had a lot of Catholics put on the Supreme Court. Kavanaugh, Comey. Is it Comey or Comey? Two uh, famous. Kavanaugh, Robertson, uh, Amy Comey Barrett, yes. Barrick, two famous Catholics. Yeah. Is, there a third, is, there, is there a third Catholic on the Supreme Court? I'm not sure, but they're the two that I know about. I just wonder how they are working in the background with the the breakdown in America. I mean, Biden is an open Catholic. We all know that. Trump isn't a Catholic, but he's very pro the Church of Rome. Mm. And the Jesuits must have tapped in their hands. What do you think, Martin? Yeah, well, the, another thing that they... They, they, they all fall into the same pot eventually. All these uh, false religions or political leaders who, you know, associate themselves with uh, Catholicism or, or, what, or, or Islam or whatever it is. Um, uh, I mean, with the, we're talking about like the Jesuits and the, and the Roman Catholics. Um, one of their things is they believe God can be uh, encountered in the arts and in the performing arts, well, didn't we see Lady Gaga, uh, you know, helping out Biden? Sing so, and, and some of these, this is something I did want to mention as, as well. Some of these um, superstars or people who are really exalted, they almost do seem to have some sort of, I mean, as you know, I'm a, a musician as well. But they seem to have some sort of supernatural ability mm. when it comes mm. to, uh, you know, these live that they do. Um, yeah. Before I was saved, this is like many, many years ago now, um, I went to a concert in London and it was a, a Prince concert, for those who remember Prince. Jehovah's Witness. And one thing, one thing I remember, the first thing that hit me when I watched that uh, concert live was this this just seems like supernatural. That was the first thing that came mm. to me that there's something going on here. The ability is just, it, there's just too much ability there. And this is the thing, isn't it? It's the spirit, isn't it? The spirit of the times that we live in. And, you know, it's guiding, the, it's giving, it's, it's, uh, 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 what's the word? Energizing these superstars, energizing these sports fanatics, energizing these politicians. And energizing these false religions and these people who are making the word of God a lie. That's what I see today. Yeah. Well, Brother Andrew makes a very good point about the Mormons. Uh, they, don't, they don't accept the Catholic Church. That's true. Not officially, anyway. Uh, they may not do the Alpha course or curses, it should be called, but the SDA now do. Up until maybe 10 years ago, the SDA didn't want to use the Alpha curse. Alpha course, now they do. The Mormons have become more ecumenical in the last few years. I think it was Ravi Zacharias who went to Utah back in 2004, got a standing ovation, and he was very well received. But, of course, all churches have had to move over. This is the, the, uh, the reality. They've had to move yeah. over to yeah. be accepted by the greater world. And, of course, now yeah. all the churches, apart from the King James community, are – well, we stand alone, basically, don't we? We have no – uh, church structure system behind us where two or three are gathered Christ is with us in the yeah. midst of us of course uh, yeah. 
Let's come back to the Jesuits shortly and uh, just talk briefly about soul winning, street preaching, uh, getting the gospel out. That's what we are. We are soul winning ministry. And of course, Martin, you do a lot of great work with your children in the Midlands and uh, you have done as long as I've known you. Have you found it since uh, COVID-19 has been on the scene? Are people uh, standing back or are they in engaging a bit more? Yeah, I'm, well, you've got a bit of a, a mix and a match going on, James. Uh, there's a lot who just do not care and they'll mix anyway. And then you've got those who keep the distance. But there's there's one thing they've all got in common. They keep the distance from the gospel. The moment that you mention Jesus Christ, people disappear. Yeah, that's very fine. But, of course, now when, when you're out and about, um, as we are, uh, it, it's... People didn't, I mean, you, you got rejected um, a good 80% of the time uh, with the street work as in a normal situation. But obviously now with COVID-19, it's uh, it's the people are few and far between who are interested. So obviously we do the, the letter boxing. Uh, mm -hmm. I think this is going to be a great opportunity. The online... We're losing you, Martin. Um, Patrick. People. Yeah. Can you hear me now? Yeah. Just uh, continue, brother, please. The, 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 the thing that's, that's befallen the world now, this, the worldwide event, which we are witnesses to, um, of course, you know, governments themselves now are, are being conditioned. They're obviously uh, politically moving the ways to make things work for them, like most countries. But at the end of the day, they're, they're being conditioned. People are being conditioned. Uh, uh, there are things to come. Yeah, absolutely. So Patrick, you're still putting tracks yeah. out every day? Yeah, we try to get a minimum of 10 tracks out every day, uh, a minimum if we can. We leave them, or I leave them, or both of us, whatever, leave them where and when we can. Um, there's always somewhere to leave tracks. And on my daily walk, I pass several bus stops, and I put a track in there, and I go back the next day, and the track is gone. And that does feed me. And I always have a look around to see what's been torn up and thrown away. It has me. So somebody's taken those tracks and taken them away. Yeah, so it's a play. We heard that. And James gets up on the moors, don't you? You try to do open air pulpit. Yeah. Just before we talk about the pulpit, just go back to, we talked about briefly uh, the Jesuit attack on creation, pushing evolution, Piltdown mm. Man, Lucy, all the other hoaxes. Peking Man. Peking Man. The goal is to attack creation, attack the blood of Christ, attack yeah. the gospel, basically. King James Bible. Yeah. The King James Bible. So they say there's no perfect Bible. Come to Holy Mother Church. We will give you the truth. But I thought it was interesting about three or four weeks ago, you actually had a conversation with a local philosophical uh, professor, a professor of uh, philosophy. Yeah. Uh, and of course, he would be coming from the air, he'd be coming from the, the Darwin angle, the Jesuit yeah. angle, that man evolved from animal, that Adam and Eve didn't exist per se. You had a great, uh, you've had two witness, two witness accounts, haven't you, with this local, what is he, a professor of uh, philosophy? Well, I first met him about five, six years ago. You may remember that we used to do, once a week, we used to be outside the local university giving tracks out. 
to yeah. catch the students in the lunch hour. And we did very well, some wonderful conversations. And I remember seeing this very tall gentleman walking by. And I said to someone, is he on the staff? And they said, oh, yes, that's the professor. He called him the professor. Uh, I used to see him around years afterwards. And I always said, morning, prof, how are you? All right, he said. So I thought, well, I've got a witness to this guy. You know, he's about 50. He doesn't look in the best of health. He looks a bit of an oddball, but I could tell he's very much an intellectual. So one day I cornered him in the town and I said, morning, prof. I said, is it OK? So I'm actually a doctor of philosophy, actually. <laughs> But you can call me prof. So I said, oh, you're just the man I want to meet because um, <clears throat> we are Christian. We're, we're born again Christians. Oh, yes, he said. Very interested. They like. And I said, I've always wondered out of this uh, evolution business where the conscience comes into this. Animals do not have conscience. And I mentioned the story of the lion. He finds another lion with the cubs and the, and the lioness. And he kills them. Fights the giant, the, the other lion. Kills it, goes in there, and he kills the cubs. No conscience, that's what he does. Now, we mm. don't do that. We have a conscience. God gave us all a conscience right from the time that um, uh, Cain killed Abel. Cain knew he'd done something wrong. This is, this is thousands of years before the Ten Commandments even came along. But he knew he'd done something wrong. His conscience told him that. So I said to the prof, where does the conscience come into this? Ah, he said, that's why we're looking for the missing link. So I said, so the missing link has the conscience. Yes, he said, but it's gone. And obviously, we inherited that missing link, and we've had it ever since. So I said to him, well, how old is the world? So he said, what do you think? I said, well, we, we put it to about 6,000 years, from Abraham to, uh, from Adam to Abraham, 2,000 years, from Abraham to Jesus, 2,000 years, and from Jesus to now, 6,000 years. Mm. Oh, no, he said, it's about 18 billion years old. <laughs> So I said, well, that's interesting. Harvard says 39 billion years old. So I'm a bit confused. You're saying 18 billion. Professor from Harvard says 39 billion. Some other guy says 78 billion years because you can't make your mind up. So he said, oh, well, he said, you know, it's not for us to understand. But I did have a long chat with him. I gave him one of our tracks about um, uh, Darwin. I said, please look at that. And I'm happy to talk to you when I see you next. Well, I haven't seen him next. But he was open to it. And I wanted to mention, I couldn't think of Jim time, Professor Fred Hoyle, James. Frederick Hoyle. Frederick Hoyle, well, yes. He was um, um, Oxford biologist. Yes. Became a Christian. There's been a few famous Darwinists who have crossed yes. the streets. Fred Hoyle would be the obvious one. Victor Pierce, yes. a great, I think he's probably dead now, Christian scientist, died about maybe, maybe 10, 15 years ago. We got yeah. some of his books. Great. Easy to understand. Uh, yeah. Also, when it comes to creation, not as charismatic as Kent Hovind uh, or Ken Ham, but uh, I think he's, is, he, is he British, uh, Victor Pierce? I think he might have been British. I think he might be Victor I think he may have been. I want to mention him to the professor as well. well Hoyle, so much knowledge. Yeah. He's got so many degrees after his name. But, but I love it when these people say it's 18 billion years old, 38 billion years old. They don't mm -hmm. know how old it is. And we stick yeah. to the 6,000 years. And, and know, the thing, yes, Martin. Yes, and the thing is, Patrick, you can speak to these so-called scholars, and mm. you know, yeah. And and the thing is, at the end of the day, you could say, listen, let's agree on one thing: you've got knowledge that I don't retain. I have got knowledge that you don't retain. God has made yeah. Himself known to me. He hasn't made Himself known to you. Yeah. yeah, 
because they always come out with these arguments, isn't it? You know, like the 18 billion years. You know, how on earth can they know that? Where did they get the they information from? It's yeah. like the reasoning. You see, I mean, yeah. these these people, you know, and, and they, they obviously cling to I'm an atheist. At the end of the day, what they're saying is no God. Uh, but they're saying a lot more than that. They're saying that, firstly, there's no God in them. Secondly, they're saying there's no God in you. So really, yeah. at the end of the day, I mean, all these atheists, really, what they what they are is agnostics because uh, they can't say that there's not a God because they can't prove there's not a God. And they'll eventually agree with you on that. And then you'll say to them, well, therefore, you're not an atheist. You're actually an agnostic, which means no knowledge. You have no knowledge of God. Mm. So that makes me the teacher because I do have knowledge of God. That makes you the student, and I'm here today to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with you. Mm. Yeah, that's right. And, of course, we, we, we would say if there's no God, if there's no God, when you die, you will find out that there is a God and you will be punished. If there's no God, nothing, nothing happens. If I die and there's no yeah. God, nothing lost. But if I'm right, yeah. I'm right, and there is a God, yes. and you're wrong. Says, you know, the point under men once to die after this judgment, you're going to find yeah. that out. We've even had this yes. out with Muslims, haven't we, James? Because they yeah. believe in the hell. And they say that we're going yeah. to go to hell because we don't follow Allah. But we say, well, yeah, you're going to you don't follow, yeah. follow the Lord Jesus. So it does go on. Mm. But I want to have another word with it if I can. I want to mention Victor uh, Pierce and um, Fred Boyle, see what he makes of it. But we were looking at some of these philosophers, weren't we, a few weeks ago. And they all seem to be very miserable men. Uh, yeah. With very high suicide rates as well, I noticed. Especially uh, with the Greek philosophers. Yeah. Depression, heavy, heavy depression. Who was the one Socrates. I saw a while ago? Um, I mentioned him himself. This guy from Sweden, I can't remember his name now. Very miserable looking man, you know, and I'm not surprised yeah. this on top of his philosophy. Yes. So let's just quickly wrap this message up. It's gone on yeah. over an hour now. So we had a couple of questions. First question was, what do we think about the Pope no longer calling himself the Vicar of Christ? It's great uh, PR, isn't it, to be one of the people? It's great PR, but he speaks with many tongues. He does. He speaks he does. to one group of people, which he says abortion's wrong. The next group he talks to, he says, well, it's up to the woman to decide. He looks at, he looks at homosexuals and he says, who am I to judge? That's and it. the next thing, he says, so he's talking to so many different sort of people. And this recent thing he said about... Um, gay marriage, I don't like that word, it's homosexual marriage, uh, the spin yeah. doctors in the Vatican jumped in and said, well, of course, he was speaking off the cuff, this isn't church. No he's such thing. It's not the magisterium of the church, oh, thank goodness for that. He's speaking off the cuff, not from the chair of Peter. Not there ever was a chair of Peter. And he said last time that uh, there's no hell. No hell, that's right. Then they say, oh, he's taken out of context. And he all seems to talk to these um, socialists Atheist, atheist. journalist, who seems yeah, to know. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's very fond of these guys. I think the guy's I think he's probably an atheist himself, you know. He's a frustrated Marxist, I think. Um, but he's a Jesuit, and they're twisted anyway. I think they've got a lot of emotional problems, these Jesuits, what they come out with. And how anyone can get into it, you get 14 years of their life to become a Jesuit. It's a long period, isn't it? What, 14 years? Yeah. Seven years for the basic training, for seven more for yeah. complete training, 14 years. I think also you mentioned uh, William uh, John Wilkes Booth. 
I think just to say for the record that John Wilkes Booth was a Catholic, yeah. I seem to remember. He got involved with uh, a very militant group of Catholics who, of course, succeeded in uh, killing uh, uh, Lincoln, of course. Yeah, I think, I think you, my notes tell me he was a late convert to Catholicism, but he was in a late. group called yeah. the Knights of the Golden Circle. The Knights of the Golden Circle. And that's probably that's a spin-off from some Masonic Illuminati group. Um, he was yeah. very much under the tutorship, as I say, of this Archbishop Beauregard, whoever he was. But, um, you know, we've got to remember that, you know, the Jesuits have been banned in over 20, 12 countries I've got here, probably a lot more. And uh, they don't yeah. forget these people. They don't forget. They have long, also, long And they will come also, after Yeah, absolutely. And also the white Pope banned the oh, Jesuits white. on five occasions. So the Church of Rome had to ban the Jesuits on five occasions because they can't control them. Yeah, yeah. So you made a good comment that all the popes have their own confessors. And what people don't probably realize, Every pope, when they confess their sins, confess their sins to a fellow Jesuit, a Jesuit confessor. Right. Of course, that's, that's the right. dirt on the pope in question. That's right. So they got the the dirt on you, basically. So every pope has to box clever. They've but I think five or six popes. All these popes, yeah. Yeah, but five or six popes have banned uh, the Jesuits, which shows you just how dangerous they really are. Well, some of the early popes did ban the Jesuits, and of course, they they died mysteriously a couple of months afterwards, yeah. usually through poisoning or something like that. Uh, would you agree with me that the... Go on, finish, please. I was going to say, according to Malachi Martin, um, the, the Jesuits may have been responsible for the death of um, Pope Paul VI. There was an assassination attempt when he went to Goa, I believe. Uh, according to Malachi Martin, he did die afterwards, and they substituted a double who looked like him, but when you look at the facial features, I've got a book in my library over here, the yeah. ears are different, and the CIA did... Uh, some research onto his board and says this man is not Pope Paul VI. And when and also John, to meet him, he didn't know what they're talking about. And John Paul the first. John Paul the first. He was killed. John was Paul the first. Very mysterious death there. He was talking about getting rid of the Vatican Bank. Um, not surprised. Now he was another one. You know, we've got to help the poor and all this sort of thing, justice and peace and everything. But he died mysteriously. Uh, the Cardinal Secretary of State, what's his name now? It's French, wasn't it? I can't remember his name now. He ordered an embalming within hours. Yeah, the family were very unhappy about that. Very it was a very rushed embargo. Or embalming, rushed, yeah. Um, but yeah, John Paul I, Pope for 33 days. That's significant, isn't it? Yeah, that's 30, 33. 33 days he lasted. Now, we haven't touched um, greatly on the Jesuit oath. It's pretty grim, like you say. It's pretty... But would you agree with me that, it, that the Jesuit oath is very similar to the Masonic oath, which is very yep. similar to the witchcraft oath? Yeah. The Jesuits, the Masons and the witch, witches all basically cut the same cloth. And it's, it's very much like the oath that the SS recruits uh, that uh, were sworn in by Heinrich Himmler. He was a great yeah. admirer of the Jesuits. Wasn't his uncle a Jesuit? His uncle was a Jesuit, so there we are, you yeah. see. And, and, and he was arrested at the end of the war by the Americans and died in mysterious circumstances. Yeah. And isn't it, isn't, is, it, is, it correct, is it correct to say that the uh, SS, the Gestapo specifically, were based on the Jesuits? The SS are based on the Jesuits, yes. The but, but Hein Ahimna was so impressed he was. with the Jesuits yeah. that he wanted his... In fact, wasn't he going to be a priest, Himmler? He toyed with the idea, but he lost yeah. his faith. He, he, he didn't like the Jewish connection. He always thought it was a Jewish connection there, so um, he lost his faith. Although I think his parents were devout Catholics. Really. 
But he, he, he liked the idea the of the Jesuit. Yeah, the Jesuit structure. Yeah. Uh, a couple more questions. Uh, Brother Jay in uh, Canada wants to know about the uh, Psalms. Yes. Uh, join me Sunday, please, 11 o'clock UK time. I will be recording, Lord willing, the 11th Psalm. Where have you been, Jay? Lots of you to catch up on, brother. Uh, but this is the 5th of uh, November. And if you are outside of the UK, uh, this is a crazy time of the year. We just said Halloween, a wicked time of the year. People all over the country are having bonfires. Uh, don't see many effigies, do we, Martin, so much now? Have you noticed that? Uh, yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. That seems to have gone away now, but people are ignorant of history. And, of course, the plan had been not only to kill James, not, not only to kill uh, his whole family and to destroy Parliament, but to try and reverse uh, the King James Bible from coming out. Yeah, it was yeah, commissioned yeah. in 1604. Uh, and, of course, uh, a year later, 1605, Guy Fawkes came pretty, clear, pretty near to killing... Uh, King James, it would have gone on probably anyway, the AV. Wouldn't you agree with me, Martin? They would have carried on anyway, wouldn't they? Even if James uh, had been killed. Yeah, it, it would have been It would have been done, James. I mean, you know, you've got so. the Holy Spirit there. It had to happen. Yeah. You know, with the uh, English uh, uh, Empire to get yeah. the word out there. So it was all part of uh, God's plan at the end of the day. So all works for the greater good of God. And it, here's, here's the mystery. God yeah. waits for a king with a Jewish name, Jacob, yeah. James Jacob, Prince James. Yeah. At the same time, Guy Fawkes comes along, born in yeah. York. He is killed in 1606. I'll just speak myself for those who just joined the live stream. Yeah. He was executed the 31st of January, 1606, in his 36th year, 666. Yeah. A satanic attack against King James, yeah. meaning Prince, of course, which, although may not stop the King James from being uh, completed, it certainly yeah. wasn't, uh, it wouldn't have made things easier for them, I suppose. And of course, what could have happened is, had Elizabeth been able to replace James, had she been picked, only nine years of age, just nine, they could have perhaps turned her, like yeah. uh, Mary, who replaced uh, her brother, uh, who was it, uh, Henry VIII's son, uh, Edward. Edward. Edward was 16 when he died. And of course, he was a Protestant Edward, may have been saved, probably the only child of uh, Henry VIII to be saved. But the plan would have been, I suppose, to put Elizabeth on the throne with the hope that she would have been like Bloody Mary, the youngest daughter of uh, King Henry. So, strange times, like I said, yeah. Luther, Loella, Calvin all died within 15 years of each other. Uh, did Calvin know Loella? Perhaps, possibly, Luther of course, was the oldest. He was the uh, biggest bogeyman, and, and to this day, the Church of Rome still hates um, King James. Was Guy Fawkes a Jesuit? Uh, not directly, maybe indirectly. His uh, uncle, his memory, was a Jesuit, and uh, three of his friends who joined him uh, with the attempt to kill James. Three of his friends were devout Catholics, and one was a Catholic priest. Mm. So he went up to Rome, and I think mm. back. Times of uh, is it Paul the Third? Around the time Paul of King uh, yeah. I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. But anyway, so today crash course on the Jesuits, the so-called Society of Jesus. Uh, we hope this has been okay to listen to to watch. This is obviously a live broadcast, uh, and yes, we are under lockdown at the moment. Some of you are asking about lockdown. We started today for four weeks. 
But we'll push on as always, business as usual. And uh, any thoughts, brothers, before we come to the, come to the end of this? No, I'm, well, I'm, just, I'm just pleased that we're all able to get together and share it with so many people around the world. <clears throat> and you've had some nice comments, and uh, hopefully we'll do it again. Yeah, and maybe next week, Lord willing. You can organise something, yeah. Martin, any final thoughts? Yes, final thoughts. It's been absolutely wonderful to, to join you two brothers. And, of course, all the listeners and viewers out there, uh, I hope you all receive a great blessing this evening. Mm. Uh, we're all together. We're all together. Uh, every day is a new day. Every day is a blessing. Look up, not down. Absolutely. And uh, we, we, wait, <laughs> we wait for the rapture. Yeah. We don't wait so much for the things of this world. <laughs> But uh, keep looking up. There's great joy up there. The world, the, the, Lord's, coming. the Lord's coming. Just a quick thought, Patrick. Stay Sorry, strong. In the Just finish your point, Martin. Just quick, uh, a, a point, Patrick. On, on Biden, if Biden does win, Israel will be weakened. Yeah. Just, just quickly talk about that for a couple of minutes, if you don't mind. We, we here uh, support President Trump, not because of the man, awful morals and He's a bragger and all sorts of things, but he has been a faithful friend to Israel. Yeah. And we support Israel because the Lord's coming back to Israel. The other crowd that they get in do not like Israel. They support the Palestinian cause. Several of them are Muslims. They hate the Jews. But with Trump there, they share something like 85% of the intelligence, the CIA, NASA, uh, and so they share it with um, Mossad and so forth. That would be stopped. Israel would be vulnerable, I believe, if, if Biden comes in. But the Lord may have some plans. And if Biden does come in, it could be the rapture would be nearer than we thought. If Trump yeah. does win, it seems Israel is safe for another four years. Yeah, that's an interesting hypothesis. I think that's probably there's some good stuff that if Trump wins and it gets another four years, Israel yeah. safe. The world is generally secure. Yeah. But if he loses and Biden comes in... Israel's weakened. Uh, of course, Biden. The Lord is won't allow Israel to be weakened or attacked. But by yeah. then, we'll have been taken out. And yeah. also, Biden is is no friend of Britain. And Biden, yeah. as a Catholic, has taken the side of uh, Southern Ireland, obviously, over Northern yeah. Ireland. And they're still arguing over the border business. Jerry yeah, Adams, United Ireland. That's right. Yeah, and Jerry McGuinness. Uh, not Jerry. Uh, sorry, Jerry, Jerry uh, McGuinness. Martin McGuinness. Martin McGuinness. Yeah. And Jerry Adams from Sinn Féin IRA. But if Trump wins, things will remain probably smooth for the foreseeable I think future. It's taken up four years. We've got to remember that Biden is not compassment at all. No, he's I not. Think he's deeply into what he's deeply been affected by Alzheimer's. It's the crowd behind him that That's put correct. him in. He will resign within six months. The vice president yeah. comes in, and this woman's more, more left wing than Bernie Saunders is. She's got some pretty heavy ideas. If she mm. comes with people like the Gang of Three behind her and Pelosi and Hillary Clinton, that's what you're going to have to watch out. Incredible times. That, that sounds like very much like what could happen there. I mean, Biden won't last. He, he will can't. not last. He's coming out with all these gaps. It's not his fault. Yeah. The guy's brain, you know, is gone. Yeah, he's I, too, I've he's met people with Alzheimer's and they don't even know what day it is. And he introduced yeah. his granddaughter yesterday. Did you see it? His son. Yeah. Hunter. Hunter's yeah. dead. No, the other son. The other son. Yeah. Not, not Hunter. The other not, son. Not Hunter, but, uh, uh, but Bo. Bo, yeah. He introduced yeah. Yeah, Bo's dead. That's right. And he introduced... And of course, Hunter, Hunter, with his missing laptop, yeah. all the stuff on his laptop, has not made the, hasn't, hasn't made the news here at all. 
No. And you had to be one of Trump's sons, you never would have heard the end of it. You never heard the end of it. But I think Israel will be safe under Donald Trump. I think hopefully the Lord, that's the Lord's plan. Mm. A lot of prayers are going up from born-again Christians throughout the world. I know several people are doing it. But it may well be that we are getting near the Great Tribulation. We've often wondered what happened in our lifetime. Uh, I think Israel is the key to all of this. The Lord's coming back to Israel. He's going to reign from Jerusalem. He will not let that happen. And of course, the Church of Rome don't believe in the thousand-year reign. They're post-millennial. No, they don't like the Jews anyway. I mean, the side of the corner with them, didn't they, in 1933 with Hitler? And right. uh, we went to Jerusalem, we went to Israel some years ago, and they owned, was it Capernaum we went to? Well, the, the, the Church of Rome owned most of uh, Capernaum, Galilee, yeah. parts of Jerusalem. In fact, they own most of, the, most, of, most of Israel is owned by the Catholic Church to this day. Yeah. And, and they were trying to buy the upper room some cars. years ago, I read, but they didn't get yeah. it. <laughs> and Jerusalem is split, is split into three halves. You've got the Jews, which run one part, the Muslims who run the other part, and the yeah. Catholics yeah. run the other part. It's a divided the city. Mental, the mental times we are living through, and it's it all of a sudden very quickly. So I think, you know, this is what I, I believe, is what the Lord's plan is. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I think end, we've covered. Go on, Martin. I was going to say, at the end of the day, I mean, you know, um, the devil is a, a great deceiver. Yeah. A great deceiver. He's got the art of it. And at the end of the day, if 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 you're not with Christ, because you're not going to do it alone, if you're not with Christ, completely lost. If you're not with Christ, he's going to come and get you. Look, he's had 6,000 years to perfect his act. He tempted Peter. He tempted um, David. He can get you just like that. If he can get those guys, Peter and David and who else, James? Noah, Noah, Noah. That's right. Yeah, got Daniel. He got Daniel to take worship from Nebuchadnezzar. That's right, Nebuchadnezzar. Yeah, he I got mean, uh, Mark to leave Paul and uh, uh, Barnabas in the work. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, one one I part think. of important scripture, James. Yes, uh, Luke chapter four, verse five. Yes. You know it well. Yes. Yes, go on. Taking him up, that's Jesus, into a high mountain, showed it unto him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. Yeah. And the devil said unto him, all this power will I give thee and the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me. He's got some great power there, some great authority. And it's true true what he says. However, I... And to whomsoever I will give it. Is That's he true. giving Biden a little bit? He's yeah. got them. Biden a little bit. He's got them already. Yes. He's got all these governments in his hands. Yeah. That's He's it. Got them. This is, this and is, Jesus so, doesn't, doesn't contradict him. This is the paradox yeah. of scripture. This is the paradox of scripture. Yeah. God delegates the devil, and the devil controls the kingdoms, and you're to pray for the government. Right. It's a paradox. It's a paradox. Yeah. yeah. So it's all about Christ. It's all about yeah. Christ. Yeah, and as Patrick says, uh, he doesn't correct the devil. It doesn't correct the devil either. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, we are King James only. Uh, King James only. All King again, James Bible only. believers. Once saved, always saved. Okay. Pre tribulation, pre millennial, pro Israel, uh, and uh, our purpose is to get people born again, washing the blood, to build people up through the Bible studies, which, like I said a while ago, Martin does the music for the graphics. Yep. Uh, the text it's a lot of work that he uh 
outputs into producing those videos. Uh, but we are at heart a evangelistic ministry, a soul winning ministry. Yeah. Martin does street work. I do street work. Patrick does street work. We preach on the streets. We do pulpit videos. We do as much as we can when we can. Is it enough? Probably not. But I think for the foreseeable future, this will be the way forward with the live streaming. With the lockdown in England, Wales is now off limits. Scotland is going to be closing soon. Uh, Ulster is also uh, moving towards lockdown. France is closed. Uh, Southern Ireland is closed. Germany is probably going to be closed. If, I think it's, it's, it's about to close. Maybe Canada will be the next one to go. Perhaps America, I don't know. Uh, and because of the lockdowns and COVID-19 and the alleged second wave and brother Enrique still very sick in hospital. Uh, we've had to suspend our autumn outreach, but maybe next year, Lord willing, we'll all meet up again. And if we don't, then maybe the rapture will come. That'd be good. Yeah. Okay, Thank well, you. any final thoughts before we sign out? Thank you for arranging all of this, James, and doing all the technicalities and helping us yeah. to get it off the ground. Um, and say, hopefully, we'll do it again. Martin, any final thoughts, brother? Well, thank you both and God bless you both for inviting me on to the broadcast uh, today. And uh, once again, God bless all the viewers out there. Get your Bibles out this evening. Make sure it's a King James and give, give great glory to God. Amen, amen, amen. Amen, amen. Maranatha. And God bless you both, brothers, and God bless all, your, all of our viewers. And thank you for joining us. And uh, we hope you're able to hear us and see us. And we'll speak to you, Lord willing, next week. And we'll speak to you soon. Maranatha. Maranatha. Yeah, Maranatha. God bless you. Bye.